Who is it? Hey guys, the Strong Boys 19 here, and you are listening to Claim the Throne Bloodcast. Yeah! You're listening to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2016. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hello and welcome to episode 60, that is 6-0, of the Claim the Throne Blodgecast. I'm Kaba and I'm here today with Ash. How you doing, How's it Kaba? going? Uh, good, mate. That's good. It's a Friday afternoon, we're both off work early, don't tell our bosses, and we're uh, having a chinwag. It's going to be good. Sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, so what's Any... been happening in the world of music, Kaba? Uh, well, I guess... Um, just a lot of guitar practice, uh, a little bit of gear research, uh, a little bit of gig announcements, a little bit of uh, music marketing, a little bit of uh, funding applications, a little bit of checking out the latest metal, uh, etc. Pretty cool. busy week, really, in, in music land. So and yourself? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same thing, which is what we do all the time, what we always Friends. do. Like we always do. Uh, so, you have been contemplating, you messaged me the other day with uh, three options for a new rig. Um, I think, from what I can gather, you're wanting to retool your guitar live and possibly studio setup or touring setup even a little bit and gave me a list of options. What's what's going on there? Why do you want to change? Or Well, yeah. um, why don't we start with what I've got and the issues. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Um, as we always mention, my setup. I guess like every episode, I use a Kemper currently, um, the digital profiling amp. So it's got a lot of a lot of sounds and tones and cool stuff built in that is um, very beneficial for the style that I play. Um, and I have one of the early models, so it doesn't have a built-in power amp, meaning that you cannot plug it through a cab. But I prefer to plug it through a cab I just like the the realness that it sort of still has that sound and it still makes me feel like I'm playing a guitar rather than just running straight through monitors through the front of house um, so one of the issues with that setup is that it means I have to have a separate power amp um, which I do and it's fine and it's good but it means that um, that is one extra item that I need to take to a gig and one extra potential issue that I may have on stage means um, you know, a lead uh, speaker cable running out of one side and the lead running out into the Kemper. Um, I then use, currently use a, a, a Behringer um, footboard, pedal board, which is a MIDI one, which I actually have a Kemper mod um, in that as well. So it's really awesome because it, it, it recognizes everything happening on the Kemper and I can set up my perform modes and I've got all my options there to click on. Um, all the stuff with my feet throughout the gig, which is really good, but that also requires an extra power source at the front of the stage, and it also runs two MIDI cables, so adding to my power amp and the two leads there, I now have a pedal that has another kettle cord required and two MIDI leads. Then I may have a wireless or something set up, which is another lead, which is another power source required, and... So the thing is, if if I have any tiny little gear issue on stage, where do you even begin to check, you know, to to problem solve, to troubleshoot the issue? 
Mm. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Um, and so the there was three options I suggested to you that I might be able to solve those problems with. Uh, let's just stop there because that's sounds like a pretty complicated rig. Um, and it sounds like they're also, it might actually be simpler than we're saying, but a few things pop up when you tell me that as a rig, and that is one, it's essentially, it's a digital preamp um, and you've got a separate power amp. So that's why you need two lots of power. Whereas a general guitar head or combo for that matter will be integrated. So it's got one power source. And then the switching on a traditional amp is usually taken care of by um, it's like signal switching. So that's like an analog, very simple, basic thing. And I'm, I've got a MIDI cable sitting right next to me right now. And I've just counted the pins that is has five pins and a sleeve on it. And so on, on like a bigger amp, a multi-channel amp, like a Mesa mode. No, no, no. What are they called? A Mesa bloody road King. They've got four channels, right? They still use a MIDI cable, but I believe that there's no actual digital switching going on there. It's just using the extra analog connectors just to run signal down. Whereas when you're talking about MIDI, that's sending a digital signal to this external pedal in order to switch the channels on your preamp. And it probably has to send information back to the... So it sends information to the amp to say, I have clicked this button. And then the amp probably feeds it back to it to tell it what profile it is or whatever. And, you know, so there's there's like extra layers of shit going on there that that we can't properly explain. And then there's the power amp where your particular power amp is a pedal and you bought that for um, ease, size, you know, like it's just easy to sit on top of a cab. Whereas a lot of your... Um, you know, if uh, Winter Sun, for instance, will use an Axe Effects, which is similar to a Kemper, and their power amp they'll use is like a rack that is as big as the Axe Effects. Mm, and so, yeah. you know, your pedal The option, one that I use is, is awesome. It's um, uh, one of those Electro Harmonics ones, 44 Magnum power amp, and it's tiny. It's it's smaller than a Boss pedal, probably half the size of a Boss Stomp pedal. Um, weighs fuck all, and it's cheap. It's less than 100 bucks. Um, so it is really cool for that, but, but it is an extra thing. And being a, so that's 44 Watts, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So with tube amps, I think that the wattage on a tube amp is different to solid state wattage as well. So I betcha that that 44 Watts is probably only capable of the loudness of maybe like a 20 watt, um, tube amp. Which is another, it's like, it starts to get really tricky when you, with all this well, other it, shit. It's funny that you say that because when I have this plug through a cab, which I have my um, 5150 cab, and I turn this little power amp up like a quarter of the way and it fucking cranks. It's really, really loud. Mm. So that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not actually sure about that. Don't quote me on it. But there's, there's just more things and it runs on DC power, which means it's like a 240 button. volt. Yeah, but then it goes into a little plug, doesn't it? Oh, yes, it does, yeah. Yeah, so that means that the power converting is happening inside that little block that goes on the wall and it sends essentially, I think it's maybe 12 volts, like, you know, all these fucking factors because um, those things can be faulty. Then you've got the leads in between all of those things, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, 
that probably confused people even more when I was supposed to clarify. But yeah, it's actually a more complicated setup than it sounds, but it still is essentially the same thing as a generic AMP setup. So yeah, now go. Just a few extra leads and cables and stuff. So the, uh, the three options that I was asking you to help me decide on how to proceed. Uh, one was to keep my current setup, just um, to have a few little minor tweaks and uh, learn it uh, a little bit better. Uh, number two, keep my current setup, however, upgrade it to all the latest stuff. And number three was to go for a, a tube amp instead. So if we maybe go through each of those options, that'd be bloody helpful for me, Large. Yeah, and see, I'm not a guitarist um, either, but I am a nerd, so I do read a lot about this shit. See, I can play guitar, but I don't understand anything about how they're made. <laughs> yeah, I still don't either. Oh, yeah, and then there's the other factor that guitars, you know, the input jacks will often get funky sometimes and make crackles and cut out. So the knob, yeah, like the pot in there and how old's your guitar? Batteries and whatever. Oh, man, I don't even know. Yeah, because uh. those things wear out as well because they get a bit um, worn. So Shame worn, yeah. It's pretty tough, but that, okay, so that, let's start there. Option one, why? Keep the Kemper a year current setup. Keep everything I've got, which means not paying more money yep. at this point. Having something that is suitable for the way I play, um, but it just has those few downfalls uh, and issues that we mentioned before. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It would just be a matter of making sure I know the entire rig inside and out and any problem that happens, I just know how to fix it immediately because, yeah, just don't want to have to deal with that on stage when you're trying to cram into a 30-minute set as it is and then look like an idiot when something goes wrong. So just knowing it inside and out, potentially um, moving away from the power amp and going front of house, I guess, if I could get the right sounds in there. Um, and some good plugins and, and whatnot. And I know you've been researching a few last few days for me. Yeah, because there's a few different options you've got. I think the first thing, if you're not going to change your rig at all, um, and I like the Kemper just as an idea, and I like that you got in on the ground floor, so you probably paid about one and a half grand less than everyone else. Mm. Um, granted, you don't have the power amp, but that doesn't matter. Um, because I've seen a first-generation Kemper going second-hand for like what you paid for and new. So it's pretty crazy. But I'd say that um, first things first, you'd need to just troubleshoot. And that would mean getting a cable tester or something like that, which I think even like maybe Behringer, like cheap companies would probably make cable testers or use a digital multimeter. That just uh, just reminded me that I've got one. And yeah, you can just check if the signal actually works on all of your cables and eliminate that because you'd hate to change your whole rig, plug it in, and that's that lead that's actually occasionally dodgy and you're like, fuck, why did I spend all that money or hassle? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny because I do have a lot of issues with it on stage, like maybe every second gig something happens and every single time without fail it's something different. Um, and the most, the latest one was I couldn't even, I could not figure out a single thing. I thought it was maybe the leads and I was swapping that around, nothing. Turned it off and turned it back on and it worked perfectly fine, mm -hmm. which reminds me that I'm dealing with a computer 
basically, mm. rather than an app. And sometimes it just needs a reset. Mm. And yeah. I guess that is something that just can't really be helped. I don't know. But yeah, it does mean it's something that I try next time. If it happens again, I fix it quicker because I know that that's a possible solution. It's tough too because, you know, like, you, you don't know. If you can't predict something like a computer, then how can you ever be sure? Mm. Like, at least when a tube goes down, it's got telltale things. If it's cranked up and you go over and you just tap on the on the head it'll give off a resonant sound like a woo like that and you'll hear it through the PA you'll go fuck a tube's gone and yep. you'll you'll either unplug and pl- ask for someone else's help or at least you know on the spot right mm. um, and you can go take that in and get a tube blown uh, get a blown tube fixed but with yeah with the camper man it's really tough one question I've got for you is when you're on stage not being a performing guitarist myself do you get a lot of sound from the cab itself that you sort of listen for or do you more hear yourself through the monitor? Uh, it depends on the venue. The sorts of venues we play in most instances are small to medium sized. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, I'd probably more so use the sound from the cab, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um and because I'm also a lead vocalist, I rely on my monitors for more of my vocals uh, and a bit of keyboards. So you don't want that generally. cluttering up your monitor mix? Whether it would or not, I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't mind if it's cluttered as long as I can hear it all. Yeah, interesting. Okay, cool. So that's that's a factor for sure. Um, you want some sort of sound that you can control coming at you. That's it as well, yeah. If something happens and I know and I, I can just, I can hear it, I can reach back and I can fix it without having to talk to the sound guy and ask him to, mm. you know, do whatever. Yeah, okay. So, your options, you've kind of talked about a few of them with that, is that I don't think you need to change your tone necessarily, but the whole idea of having a Kemper is it's made for friends like your friend Ian, who recommended it to you in the first place who just like are constantly tweaking and reading about things and going into it. And while you don't have to go to that degree, um, if you were to possibly do it a bit more and um, yeah, look for, you might even find tones that you prefer or options that you prefer. um, And you might also find that a lot of people are having the same issues. And, And one thing is that you've got a first generation Kemper so I'd probably go down the path of troubleshooting first generations and see if there's a problem and possibly contacting Kemper and saying, look, I'm having issues every second gig. I've had them since I got this thing. I absolutely love it, but I'm stumped. I've tried this, that, and the other, and it's still unpredictable what's going to happen. Can you provide any advice? And that's probably, for in terms of troubleshooting, that's that. Then the other side, if you can figure out what's going on, it's a simple solution and it's not actually the Kemper. Um, you could keep your cab set up. If it's a power amp, you could basically switch out whatever the problem is. It might even be the power pack or the lead or the power amp itself. You never know. It could be a dodgy connection in your cab. You just don't know. Um, or it might be your guitar. But you get those simple things done first the most cost-effective things and then you look at the Kemper but you could also do things like Sam Allen had mentioned where 
he was recently on tour with guys using Kempers in Europe and he was saying that they they run their sound to front of house with a cab emulation on and then they run to a cab on top of that as well. So if the cab goes down, um, they've always the front of house doesn't change at all. The guy on stage might yep. notice it. So you maybe you wouldn't crank it fully as your main thing in your monitor, but you'd have it there so if it did drop out, you could still hear that it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that it's something cab or power amp related. And that might be just, if you can't troubleshoot it, that might be the option is don't do anything, but actually expand your setup, which gets tricky because then you're adding another thing. You're running essentially two different versions of the same um, setup, one with a cab emulation and one without. Um, But that probably leads, uh, that's a pretty good lead into the second option, which is to retweak or retool the current setup that you've got and the big one there is okay if you're going to be running a cab emulation to the front of house why don't instead of a cab you buy a monitor a good studio monitor and have that angled up at the back and you control that volume independently and then the front of house still gets his clean di sound there's no mics on stage um, which means there's less chance for feedback because um, what's coming out of the monitor isn't going back into the mic and creating any feedback loop. Um, yeah, this is a good idea, and this, that's what um, exactly what Ian from Red Descending does. Mm-hmm. Um, where that option concerns me as using that as the solution is that I guess I'm more concerned about uh, the touring aspects, and mm. I love the Kemper because it's tiny and I can take it on my hand luggage, and I don't plan on taking my own monitor around on a tour. And that's what oh, I'm planning ahead for. You'd never do that. Yeah, you'd never do it. So that, yeah, then the downfall with that is that on tour, you'd be back to bringing a power amp with you, but yep. at least you'd be more savvy with getting that um, that direct out with the cab emulation into the front of house. Like That would be step one. When you get there, make sure everyone out the front can hear it. Step two, get your cab working. Step three is kind of crazy. Kemper's a stereo. You could set two mirrored outputs, one going to the desk and then another going into a wireless headphones. So you don't even have a cab on stage at all. It's directly into your ears. You control Mm. that volume with a little mixer and... um, yeah, but that again, that is another thing to set up. It's another host of things that can go wrong, etc. Et yeah, for a guy like me, I just need as little possible options of things that can stuff up for me. So, you know, if you're looking at just having a normal head and cab set up, if it's not working, then your options are perhaps the kettle lead's loose, perhaps the lead is dodgy. That's basically it. Yeah, um, tubes, fuse. Yeah, you know, but... But when it comes to having like 15 cables in my rig, that's just getting crazy. So with this option too, which is partially led on from um, contacting Kemper themselves as well and telling him my scenario, is upgrading the whole thing to the latest version of a Kemper, getting the dedicated foot switch, which doesn't have its own power source. It's just one lead from the, um, from the, the Kemper itself to the pedal. That's it. Um, 
like you would a normal head. Uh, Built-in power amp, don't need to even think about that anymore. That just solves a lot of the problems. The downfalls, obviously, having to buy all new shit. Um, but that being said, you did say, you know, you see some of the old campers going for a decent price, so maybe I can still salvage some money off my old one. Um, Man, I half thought about it. If you were going to, this sounds so crazy. If you were going to sell your Kemper, I'd buy it. I, right. that, I thought about that. I'm not going to do it because as soon as I looked at the secondhand market for them, I went, oh man, Cabba can get so much more money than I'm willing to spend on one. Because <laughs> they're a great, without a power amp, they're a great tool for silent recording. Demo, you did all man, your Man, if demo. this thing was just a studio amp, it, it's it's amazing the amount of things you can do in you know the flick of a switch. Yeah, and you don't need to worry about pedals and stuff when you're in your studio. You just press to the profile you need because... Mm. These days, multi-tracking, you just track the one sound at a time. Um, okay, the other option there. So then there's there's the kind of the cross between option one and two, which is still get rid of the old rig, but replace it with the same rig, just the more tried and tested version of it. Mm. Um, because, yeah, what, what ended up happening with Kemper is they released them without a power amp. Then they built a power amp for them, but then the European government or whatever wouldn't sticker it as safe for some reason. So then users wouldn't be able to buy it as an add-on and then install it themselves, and that's what they wanted. Um, so there is a guy I found, and I did find him a few years ago as well, and that he sells a thing called a Camplifier which plugs into the back, into that open slot and does what Kemper wished they could have sorted out. But again, if Kemper couldn't get the tick, does this guy have the tick? Um, is he a fucking power amp specialist? You don't know. And maybe maybe it goes all well, but his kind of setups, it's not like they're exactly cheap. And yeah, it's a bit hard to, to judge. But yeah, I like the idea of a... Um, of a fresh camper. Mm. I definitely do. Or, or have you looked into maybe not Axe Effects? Cause that's a, I think that's actually a bigger unit and yeah. um, it's a, a unit you're not familiar with. You're still running MIDI cables, etc. but there's another no one. power amp built in? Uh, I think they might have like an integrated one. It might have a power block on the back, but most people, I don't, I've haven't read enough into them, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people use a separate rack. I've only ever heard good things about Axis Effects, but that being said, if I'm going to stick with the digital route, then I just stick to what I've got and what I know, you know. Exactly. The other one is the bias, and that's smaller than a Kemper. It looks more like a traditional amp, and you do all of your amp modeling crap on the computer as opposed to on the Kemper itself. That's why the Kemper's got so many buttons and knobs and stuff. And then you load those rigs on and um, and that's it. But in saying that, it's still, it's like a scaled back version of the Kemper. And from what I've seen, I listened to like a blind shootout between Axe Effects, between a real Messer and then the Messer version of Axe Effects uh, pedal, Line 6 pedal, and then the Kemper and the Bias and on a blind test I actually picked that the Kemper was the best one mm. and I picked that the Bias was second and then the Line 6 pedal and the Axe Effects pedal which isn't the main Axe Effects unit both sounded like shit 
basically. Mm. And um, yeah, so I mean, it's much of a muchness. Why would you go back? The, the only reason maybe you'd go back is because you could get a good secondhand price for the Kemper and then buy the bias for about half of that cost and pocket a grand or whatever. Yeah. But again, you like the Kemper, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be spending too much money, but that being said, I just want the right setup for me and, and get the shit sorted. And uh, so still cover all the options regardless of money or pocketing extra. What's option three? Whatever. So option three is to fuck this stuff off and just go back to the old tried and tested go for a, a 5150 or some sort of PV, whatever they have at the moment. Go for a Mesa Boogie, depending what um, they've got around at the moment. Go for a Orange, whatever they've got around at the moment. Preferably um, one of the mini-sized heads that I can still take as hand luggage, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, as you go on tour, just plug it into whoever's cab is on stage. Borrow a cab each night. Uh, easy peasy. Uh, only issues from my perspective are not being confident on uh, the clean tones that they have because I do use a lot of switching between between distortion and clean. So I'd want some nice um, delay or reverb pedal which then again means I have more pedals on stage and more leads, which takes me back to point A. Mm. Okay, if <clears throat> if I was a guitarist, getting a rig f- for a live setting, that's the compromise I'd make because you don't want a large format head because you can't tour with it, or you can, but it costs you a lot of money and you don't want to really put that stuff underneath the plane. <laughs> you want to keep it on you. Um, but yeah, a few years ago, I wouldn't have said that that's the greatest option because they didn't have, uh, too many versions out there and yeah, they hadn't also incorporated some of the other features that, cause what we forget is the, the Kemper is really good for sitting on a desk and for live. Whereas some of these mini heads, I've got a, a little orange mini head and that's great and it's nice and quiet and stuff. But if you want to record it with a mic, you still got to crank it. And you can't just plug it straight into your computer. Whereas some of the more recently released versions, and Messer Boogie have done this, Hughes and Kettner have done this, and I believe PV, and maybe even EVH, who is the made by Fender, it's the newer Eddie Van Halen stuff, I think they might, which is a power soak on board that allows you to take the power amp out of the picture without ruining the tubes and record. So they're pretty cool options as well. Um, and you also got to look at price because the better versions of these, and I'm talking about, and by better, I mean, um, uh, more better sounding perhaps, or more well-known ones. Your Mesa Boogies, probably your Angle has one. Um, the better Hughes and Kettner models, they're all a thousand to two and a half thousand bucks. And that's the cost of a getting towards the cost of a brand new Kemper, um, especially once you change it over. So it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit different. But how I'd run it personally is if I wasn't too sussed on the clean tone and you in general like to have reverb, chorus or delay on your clean tone, right? Yes. Um, So you'd have to find one. So option number one, and I'm pulling this out of thin air, so there's probably more options, but you can get a Mesa Boogie 
fuck, what are they called? Rectoverb 25, which is a 25 watt uh, mini rectifier. So it's got the distortion channel of a Mesa Boogie. It's got the clean channel of, I think it's the Tremo Verb or one of those sort of things. And it has reverb on it. So you can, on your one pedal, you can switch on reverb and off reverb. Um, or you can, maybe it's just on or it's off and you turn it off on your distorted guitar, you turn it on on your clean and you just switch between the two independent controls. And that's a big one because a lot of the small format heads share the same bass, middle and treble with the clean tone as they do with their distortion. And that really limits you because you dial in a sweet ass distortion, you switch and then you've got this scooped ass boxy sounding, um, no mids clean. So you want things with shared controls and then that lowers your possibilities again. But there are workarounds for that. And you know, some of these don't even have switching, by the way. So some of your oranges, like my orange, doesn't have switching at all. Okay. Um, it's either distorted or it's clean and you, yeah. it's no good. There is a way around that. And the way is to get an amp with wicked distortion um, and then get a looper pedal. And then what that does, and this you'll probably hate this idea, but it's a pedal, it's a pedal that sits in front of you. You switch it, it's either rig A or rig B. They also call these things, did I say looper? I mean a um like an effects loop or a switching amp switching pedal. Yep. So A B Y pedal, that's a better description. One <clears throat> so side A will go directly into the amp as normal and be distorted. You plug that in the front, whatever, all good. When you want clean tone, you switch B and that one goes into, providing you've got one, an effects loop. So it switches the, um, your, you've got nothing going through the distorted preamp and it goes directly from your guitar into the power amp. But in order to get it to sound good, you'd need a preamp pedal that would sit on the amp. And if you wanted effects, you'd have to have like a delay or a chorus or something next to it. So they would sit on top of your head permanently on, and then you're able to switch between the two just with one pedal on the ground. But that's probably one, two, three, four. That's four leads still and a cab lead. So you can't plug it directly through the PA. Um, It's got to be mic'd up. So... You know, so you've basically, you've got that slightly more complicated setup, which would probably annoy the shit out of you or, but would would sound great. Or you've got to find a head that has a wicked distortion channel, a wicked clean channel, has um, independent controls for both of those as well. So you're you're pretty limited to something like the the Mesa Boogie line, like the Rectoverb, the Mini Rectifier, which doesn't have reverb on the clean channel. Or the Mesa Boogie, it's the Mark V 25. And that one has like very nice clean tone and very, it's not as heavy and beefy as a 5150 distortion, but in a mix setting, like a lot of people scoop too much of their mids. And I think it's, it's probably more suited to the kind of tone you like. But just playing it in a bedroom by yourself, you probably won't get as much satisfaction as you would from something that's way beefier. Um, but in a mix and recording setting, it I would argue that it would sound better for what you're actually going mm. for. So yeah, 
Wow. That is some food for thought, hey? Mm. And a Mark 5.25, which we did our recording and I, I've got a 50-watt Mesa single rectifier and I, I bought a single instead of a jewel because the jewel's 100-watt and I thought, oh, 50, I might be able to get away with recording that in my house and putting that thing on like half, half of one on volume blows the fucking whole house down. It's so yeah. loud and you got to crank it because it's very like boomy and compressed at low levels. So that is too big. And then I've got this mini head, which is like, it switches down to seven and a half watts and that is too loud for my bedroom. <laughs> so like these things are still, these mini heads are like in between and I'm thinking of selling the, the single rectifier to get something like a Mark V. Um, because that has that internal thing where you can go out the back into your recording rig straight out without ruining it as well. Um, but yeah, there are other options from Hughes and Kettner. They've got this thing called the Deluxe 20. Check that thing out. Um, that's from, from reviews and um, videos I've watched of that. It's got quite nice tone on both ends, separate controls. And it also has a power soak in it to allow that recording thing. Um, and these things all have effects loops. So if you're unhappy with your clean tone, if that particular amp has an option to switch the loop on and off, um, when you switch your clean, you could just sit a chorus pedal on top of your head and just use a nine volt battery. And look, if that doesn't work, you just unplug the goddamn thing and you don't even worry about it. Just run straight clean tone. So mm. anyway, that's a list of of my what I'd be looking at of those three different areas what do you think cool of man that's that super helpful well look I'm thinking uh, in an ideal world I'd probably just go straight to number two um, but before making that decision I'll probably contact Kemper perhaps do a bit more research online uh, about what options are available, um, the best way of upgrading them and whatnot. Uh, probably look around, see how much I could actually get for my um, my current Kemper and whether there's even any interest of people who would want it. Um, I've also got my Behringer um, pedal, the FCB1010, which has the Kemper mod chip installed. Um, oh, so yeah. I could probably sell them as a package, which is probably quite a um, appealing combo. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then just just figure out the feasibility of getting option two happening. That being said, throughout that process, probably go back, re-listen to this podcast episode of you talking about option three and go through every one of those... Um, uh, amps that you mentioned, probably watch some um, some YouTube videos of, of, you know, get some sounds, read some reviews, uh, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then probably reconvene with you in another podcast episode and go, mm, I don't really know what to do. You know, there's one option that, remember that, um, the first thing I said, which is get that uh, ABY pedal and run the effects loop with a clean preamp. I yep. know that sounds fucking annoying, right? Um, but the beauty is if you go to another country, because um, that's another thing to look out for, you've got to get an amp that has 
uh, power that will accept anything from 100 to 230. Well, especially when truing uh, USA when you're from another country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's something to look out for. And I've just noticed I was going to recommend the EVH 5153, the 15-watt version. Now, a lot of metalheads would say, don't fucking do it. <clears throat> but the reason I would say do it is because, man, check that thing out. It's called the 5150 LBX. That's all you need to look for. You find a good playthrough where if someone does some distortion on that, it sounds wicked. Like, it sounds like the tone you dialed in on your 5150 in this very room I'm in for the album. I was just so impressed with it. But the problem is I've just noticed that the input power is fixed. So it's either a 120 model or it's a 240. And there are tricks because some will actually have a switch inside that will allow you to switch. And perhaps this one does, but that's shit you got to look into and think about because, yeah, you take it on tour and if you can't use it, it's like, oh, crap, you're borrowing, yeah. borrowing, not only borrowing heads, but you're also having to friggin' carry this thing around that doesn't even work for you. Which well, do you remember what happened in America when we went last time and I did bring that Behringer pedal, which, yep. by the way, one of the downfalls of that is it's fucking massive mm-hmm. and weighs more than the amp does. Mm-hmm. Um, I took it around the whole trip and I could I didn't use it once on the whole tour um, because, yeah, I only bought one converter which I was plugging the Kemper through and then I needed another power source for this pedal and couldn't get it happening. Um, so I was going from the microphone, singing, walking back to my amp, clicking on change tone before and after, and then, you know, going back into distortion, having to walk back to the amp and clicking change to distortion yeah. really shit on stage and really shit to carry around something that you can't use like you said yeah hey and <clears throat> i'm just looking at these options now man not looking good mm. a lot of a lot of them don't seem to have american capability power but there are things i haven't mentioned that um are like Oh, probably this there's this one called Enganator, but that again a lot of these we're starting to get into territory where they're they get lots of good reviews from blues and clean tone sort of players rather than metal dudes. Yeah. And it looks like all these metal ones I've mentioned are only sort of power capable for a specific area. Which blows absolute woofy that sucks yeah so i mean that's one of the major benefits of something like a kemper i guess you can not have to worry about that you also have the 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 option if 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 the shit hits the fan you can either run through an amp or you can run through front of house something will will work um and in the perform mode you can load up all your different rigs of um tones and effects that you want to have so you can save one whole performance rig for a setting where you will have a cab and then you can set up a whole performance rig when you won't have access to a cab um, because the the profiles do sound different whether they include a cab sound or not um, so part of option one would be just learning how to use all the shit that is already that is already at my fingertips you know just understanding it better and dominating it you know i think we've almost come full circle because now that now that I'm looking at all of these, as much as I love them for just touring with, if you can't go anywhere with them, what's the point? 
kind mm. of defeats the whole purpose. So maybe your best bet is to do the um, the multi-region Kemper or, or possibly, you know, switch over to the power amp version of that yeah. and um, with the pedal. That's, from everything you've said to me, that would be the one now. So built-in power amp version of that, yeah. you plug in front of house, does it just recognize that it makes no difference if there's a, a power amp doesn't get in the way of that. Uh, it's <clears throat> by the way, I noticed we do this a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've been doing it all episode, which is very annoying. Oh, did you know that Paul Gilbert uses campers these days? No. Wow. It just popped up. I didn't, but that is probably going to, um, affect your choice. Yeah. Go the camper man. I love Paul Gilbert <laughs> big time. Hey, that being said, in the show notes of this episode at ClaimTheThrone.com, I might even chuck up a poll in there. And if any of the listeners oh. have some opinions or feedback, that'd be super sick. You can leave comments on the post uh, or you can just click which option you reckon is the best. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. I like that. Maybe Twitter as well. Twitter. At Ash Throne, at Mr. Cabba. Can I do a piss and get a beer? Is that fucked? Yeah, do it. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all right. How was your urination? Oh, I could not be better, hey. Was it a festival? It's clear, which means I've had a lot of water today, which is good, which means I can drink beer and not uh, feel bad about it. Yeah, it was a urinine festival, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where were we at? Uh, look, I think we pretty much um, went went over all the options there pretty well. I've got lots to think about, and uh, I think all of those options are good, and I'm positive we're going to come up with the right thing. Um you know what I would yeah. say to you? Is uh, what is that? Assess assess the likelihood that we'll ever go back to the States again. And if you think that the possibility is slim to nil, then that raises or increases the value of an amp that is stable on Australian power because then it would work in Australia and Europe. The drama with that is that um, maybe Japan... What's Japan again? Is that 110 or something weird? Uh, it is different, but we've never had a problem with it, I don't think. But that's probably because you've had the Kemper and it's multi-region. Mm, perhaps. But uh, I would say the chances for US would be medium to high. Yeah, okay. Cool. All At right. least uh, that's in my little dream world anyway. Speaking of that dream world, anything else been going on? Uh, well, I guess we could recap on last week's little chat about... Um, playing guitar cool exercises we had a big um chat about uh scales and scales versus major scales yeah but funnily enough since then because my whole uh objective last week was to increase my speed as i identified that as one area where i'm lacking um well in terms of tremolo speed anyway but funnily enough, as I start doing all these exercises and things and looking up different um, exercises on YouTube and whatnot, I found myself just going back and back and back and back to 101 guitar mm -hmm. and reassessing um, how to hold a pick correctly. <laughs> the reason <laughs> that's because funny is my technique is hand, so though. bad. Yeah, I've, I've, and I have always have, and I've always known, but it feels comfortable, and I I've never, it's never bothered me, you know? Yeah. But as I'm trying to really improve, I'm just 
like I'm like enough's enough. I got to get this shit sorted. So I'm way back to that. Um, improving my picking technique and um, and the best way, well, the way I have been doing that for the last few days or more is um, working on alternate picking a bit. Oh yeah. Which I I'm a big alternate picker anyway. I'm good with that. Um, in my previous picking technique, but in the correct way, I fucking suck at it. So that's what I've been doing, practice yeah. wise. Um, to anyone who has half a brain about music out there, uh, get this concept. A bar has four notes. One, two, three, four. If you're a guitarist playing at that speed, you'd probably down pick. One, two, three, four. Down, 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 down. When you change that from what is quarter notes to eighth notes, you'll go one and two and three and four and and then you'll go down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. So the idea is that as you increase the subdivisions and your down, up, down, up, down, up goes quicker, you keep that same, I just did it again. You keep that same alternate picking pattern going. Cabba is different. His thumb is similar to a banana. Um, <laughs> if you ever watch a Cannibal Corpse DVD, look at Rob Barrett's guitar pick holding technique. Honestly, very similar to Cabba's. So he's no, he's not in bad company there because Rob can seriously shred. But um, yeah, Cabba, when he plays really fast at the gate style things, I've noticed that he starts on the up pick instead of the down pick. So then when I watch you play guitar sometimes, I am struggling to figure out what you're actually doing because I'm so conditioned to see down, up, down, up, down, up, whereas you're going up, down, up, down, up, down. And that Mm. translates to drums as well, where you lead with your, let's pretend everyone in the world's right-handed, you lead with your right hand, right, left, right, left, right, left. So slow, right, 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 right. Then right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. <laughs> anyway, an observation. Continue. Yeah, I, I think I've uh, that that starting on the upstroke thing. I think that's come from uh, learning guitar on an acoustic guitar and learning chords and strumming patterns and stuff like that. Um, and then sort of just I don't know having that same feel. And and I also think that's where the picking bad habit started from just like willy nilly strumming these chords. And then all of a sudden I'm learning Slaughter of the Soul from start to finish and using the same techniques that I've just got used to. And Mm. then 10 years later, here we are. Yeah, it's funny. And how difficult is it to change? I remember when I first started playing drums and I would hold the sticks like fists, like clenching fists. This is when I was maybe 13. And then my friend told me, mate, you can play it. Yes, you can play a drum beat like that, but you're never going to be able to do what I can do. And he, all he could do was play double strokes um, and everything else. We were the same skill. And yeah, it took, I had to sit down and just go, oh, okay, think about it. Don't clench a fist, do this hand position. And it eventually helped him. And probably because of that guy, I have decent technique now. Um, but yeah, if no one tells you that, oh man, you're screwed. Because mm. it's how, how weird is that for you? Oh man, the the worst thing is you just you you're playing stuff so slow. Mm-hmm. Something that you could just dominate if you wanted to play it with your what you're used to. But I'm trying to play it with the correct way that I can't do, and it sounds so shit. Like I sound <laughs> like uh, so, someone who's been playing guitar for a year. 
Um, but you just have to keep at it. And, you know, if you sit there for an hour and do it, then, then you know, all was good by the end. Um, but, yeah, it just has to be a, a regular constant thing and have to not fall into the trap of just going, fuck it, I can already play that. Just need to do it the right way rather than rushing through it. I, I love hearing you say that. Do you ever think of yourself as a person who sees something incredibly technical, watches Winter Sun play live and go, and go, oh yeah, that's amazing. I really appreciate the talent, but I, I don't ever need to do that. So I'm never going to learn it kind of thing. Uh, in a way, I don't have um, the aspirations to reach that level, I guess. Um, and the reason I write music is more just, I don't know, I write the style that suits me and uh, I enjoy just, I don't know, songwriting and stuff for what it is. Uh, and in terms of, you know, uh, musical skill, I I probably have a handful of bands that I would like to be at the same musical level as they are. I don't know, like You're At The Gates or um, Dissection or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, probably pretty much close to that. And I would never expect to to be becoming a Winter Sun or a Necrophagus or something. Do you think if you did have some of those skills that your music could possibly benefit from it? Mm, hard to know. In a way, like I wouldn't go turning uh, Claim the Throne into something different to maximise, to, to utilise those new skills. I still think... Um, you know, a brand slash band is is built, you know, we've got 10 years experience of playing what we play, you know. So if, if I had all these new skills that I wanted to experiment with or try out or make different style of music, I'd probably just start a second band or something like that. Okay, question three. Why have you ever heard a Paul Gilbert song <laughs> from the last five years? Oh, I don't know. Let's go with no. Okay, because he plays the most like straight down the line rock and roll ever, and then just just unleashes <laughs> when he does a solo, right? But the whole song basically sounds like a rock song, and a lot mm. of a lot of super shredders are like that, and a lot of people that um that make simple music can really really wail on their instrument, but. The reason I say that, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I'm a guy who certainly at times has had, you know, I'm friends with someone called Jim and he listens to some very technical, very fast music and tends to post more videos of extreme drummers than he does of guitarists or bass players. And um, so there's always that sort of underlying um, thought in my head like, God, I have this thrown at me all the time. Does does everyone expect me to be able to do this? And so my fallback, same question I asked you, would be like, do I think I'd be a better drummer if I could play 280 beats a minute, for instance? My answer is no, for the same reason <laughs> as you, is that it wouldn't improve the songwriting of Claim of Throne to be able to play it 280 beats a minute. It's not going to change. But I think there's value in being, I'll pick an arbitrary number, something like 20% better or more capable than the music you're actually playing. Mm. 
because not only does it allow you room to shred, um, one of the one of the coolest things I've ever seen. This is probably going to make you laugh. Is the band <laughs> Antistatic, right? Um, I've seen Brody, who we recorded our drums at Brody's studio, uh, Studio Underground. Saw him at a gig at the Rosemount. 10 years ago he was pretty young probably only 19 or something at the time dropped a stick something went wrong and he just decided to just unload some chops in the middle of this really groovy new metal song and I just went oh my fucking god everyone else in this new metal scene is a big ass poser <laughs> this guy yeah. is a fucking serious drummer and now you look so at him well and handled yeah and he's doing all these chops videos and doing all that session drumming now but it was just you go oh no wonder he's so good at playing 4-4 with such confidence is because he can actually play this incredible stuff i've also seen drew mayhills from anti-static who used to deliberately sort of craft songs to like a certain style or whatever i've seen him do the same thing where he's just decided to just go on a little bit of a shred an improv shred and you just go fucking Jesus these guys are good players and and that's where I think all musicians sh should be at it's not that we play at the level we need to play at for the gig we sort of come down a little bit not come down it's just sort of we play in a comfortable range instead and then we've got room to move if we want to more because I think that if you're very good at making pasta by hand then <laughs> then you know how to boil pasta that's pre-made pretty easily you know done yeah and if you have visitors coming over for dinner you don't want to make some big extravagant ambitious dish that you're probably going to fuck up when you could uh do the easier dish dominate it and maybe just add a little bit of flair <laughs> yeah maybe yeah maybe something <laughs> like that so that's just yeah. a thought and i love cool, that I, I agree yeah. totally i like yeah. it I love that, that you're going back to something as simple as holding a pig. Actually, I never thought to tell you, um, hey, maybe you should think of your... I actually think it's kind of crazy that you're doing that. I'll be honest with you. Well, I've always known, and people do... I think, Owen, oh, well, you would have said said that to me a number of times, I think. Um, but it's just being able to put your mind to it and allow yourself some time. I don't know, now that we've finished recording and we're sort of probably starting writing again, I guess, or, you know, just keeping in the zone a bit and just practicing skills, just having that time. Mm. Uh, now's a good time to, to fix that, I think. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I haven't done any practicing lately, so i got nothing <laughs> to add. Cool, that's all right. We're pre pretty much ready to wrap it up anyway. You're going babysitting or some shit, right? Oh, man, I was, but it's actually been canned. Mm. Yeah, how's that? Well, let's talk for another two hours. Oh, Strap okay. yourselves in, listeners. No, what what have kidding. you got on? Uh, just pick practice. Yeah, cool. I Pretty won't keep you much longer, but there's a few things I do want to discuss. Fire away. Uh, so, what were we going to discuss? The rig stuff. What's my album of the week? Oh, yeah. Not an album, wasn't it? It wasn't an album. Uh, an e-book or audio book or a podcast or something, as usual. Like you always do. Album of the week. Ha ha ha. Who can be fucked? <laughs> um, I'm just reading text messages here. Producer pack. No. I'll be doing scared. Yeah, this is a message from Cabba. 
blah, 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 blah. If we can podcast earlier, can we, Cabba? I'll just be doing scales. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I can't figure out what the fuck my actual uh, podgy was going to be. Oh, that's right. Was got it? it. Got it. Got it. Got it. All Adobe right. Creative Cloud. Ah, oh, of course. Okay. So, I signed up to Adobe Creative Cloud. There's this uh, sale at the moment for any of you nerds out there who like buying stuff on the internet. Um, they have a Black Friday sale around this time every year. I think it's... Thank- Is it Thanksgiving in America? Uh, yes, and Black Friday sales. Yeah. So, people are probably all across that. But yeah, I usually hunt around for some free plugins or anything I might need to buy online. Um, This year, I haven't bought anything yet, which is great because I'm pretty much set. But I did notice a sweet deal on a Brainworks metering package for $9. So, I will be buying that. Um, But... So, I did ask you how much it cost. You said, wait till the podcast. Oh, did I? I think I actually snuck it out and you didn't notice. But (laughs) usually... So, what Creative Cloud is, is a subscription service. Instead of buying Photoshop, for instance, by Adobe... For $500, you get a a download of the product and the license and that's it. You get updates until, if it's a Photoshop 6, until Photoshop 7 comes out, you get all the updates in between. This is different Mm -hmm. where you sign up per month, which a lot of people are starting to do. And so you're completely up to date with Photoshop, for instance, at all times. Now, because Photoshop is super popular, everyone uses it, usually a cracked version they've got off Pirate Bay. Um, they offer it for, I think it's $12 a month, and that's with Photoshop and Lightroom. So if you're a photographer or a basic poster designer or something, you can grab that and you'll be set for 12 a month. But if you want any other thing from Adobe, and they do a whole lot of things, um, it's going to cost you like, I think about 25 bucks a month. Um, And that's if you sign up for a year. If you don't sign up for a year, it's going to cost you 35 bucks for just one month of using that program. Mm. Anyway, so I've got various irons in the fire and do many fucking dumb videos and things that are going to make Jim laugh next time I see him. And there's a Black Friday sale on Adobe Creative Cloud, which has every single product that they do for 40 bucks a month. So I signed up. Cool. And yeah, it's is sort there of, a minimum amount of time you need to sign up for? This is for 12 months. I have to do it for 12. Okay. Do so you pay in advance? You pay monthly. I yep. think it's it might be cheaper if you pay it all in one hit, but no, fuck that. So you're confident you're going to get some serious use out of it get your money's worth yes and the reason why is because I use Adobe Premiere almost on a daily basis at work so I'm pretty confident in my skills to do things on that Um, and I was looking into buying Final Cut Pro by Apple and that's $500 so I thought do I buy this one program which I would probably prefer the functionality of or do I take this deal, which over 12 months works out to just under $500 and then also have unlimited access to Photoshop and Illustrator. And the big one for me is Adobe Animate. 
which used to be Adobe Flash, which used to be Macromedia Flash, which is what I used to do all of my uh, shitty animating in back in the day. So I thought, you know, this is a pretty good excuse. Album's done. I'm going to start getting back into sort of video editing and, um, and animating and stuff. And I thought, you can't just get by with one application. I'll, I'm trying to do everything legitimately these days so I thought it's a pretty good way of doing it and it's I love it it. it's a $500 investment in myself over the next 12 months so yeah couple that with other people that I am currently engaged with um being digital dicks digital drawers (laughs) with Wacom tablets and that sort of thing um I think it's a pretty useful and lucrative deal for myself as a content creator nice love it and well i mean we have been talking recently about getting some new uh claim the throne music videos happening too and who knows if ash's skills are top notch we might whack out something interesting through that but we'll get into that in another episode anyway exclusively bat videos (laughs) no we won't do that cool so what have you been listening to uh i've been listening to a product nah uh, I've been listening to the new slash old album from Einherger, or Einia, however you would like to pronounce it, who have uh, recently, in November this year, last week or something, re- re-recorded and re-released uh, their well-renowned album from 1996 called Dragons of the North. Hmm. which was uh, Viking metal in its utmost truest form, uh, especially, but back at that time as yeah, well. Yeah, 96, wow. Yeah, um, and it's crazy. It's it's always been one of these landmark Viking metal albums, um, firstly because of the, the lyrical concepts and everything. It's, um, you know, Viking mythology at its finest in terms of... Um, metal but uh also the sound it's got this really um unique sound to it so it's not not over the top black metal uh it's not death metal it's not not um you know melodic death metal not power metal nothing like that it's just it's viking metal and uh so if you if you listen to that album you'll know what viking metal was uh intended to be yeah um (laughs) which is why i hate uh I've always never wanted us to be called Viking Metal because we don't sound like I'm here, basically. <laughs> um, Sorry, but why what did they record? Ah, oh, shut up. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here too, mate. Keep talking. I'm here. But I don't know why they re-recorded it, to be honest. It sounds pretty cool, but it almost sounds a bit too um, polished now. It's been remastered, well, you know, re-recorded with the, the current lineup and uh, mastered well. Um, so it's very interesting to hear it. Uh, hear a, a 2016 take on the album. Um, but nonetheless, it's got me back into that album anyway, so I've been listening to those songs, enjoying the shit out of it, really. I um, would highly recommend it. There's a couple new video clips that they've put out for it, which, by the way, reminds me, you might like this clip. Um, I think the song is Dreamstorm, uh, which is their latest video of an old song made new. And um, the video for that is animated kind of in a weird fucking way you know like that new moon sorrow one 
Did you watch that Moonsora oh, clip? I think yeah, we were talking about it at some point. It was sort of like a weird animated thing that was mixed with um, real life people. I don't know. Mm. It's pretty crazy. But anyway, this one's pretty interesting too. Cool. Worth a watch. What What are your thoughts on re-records? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, I get why bands do it. Especially, you know, 10 years down the track, they've probably got a different lineup and, you know, they're an improved band by then and they've probably had all these ideas for the original music and want it to sound the way it should have or the way that they would have liked it to with their current skills. Um, you know, which we've been tempted to do a number of times without only the Brave mm. Return album. But at the same time, I just think, what's the point, really? When you think of it from your fans' perspective... I don't think anyone really wants to know about it. They like that old album for what it was, you know, for what it is. Um, and it's a lot of time and money invested in recreating another product when you could be, you know, making it a, a, a whole new album, really. Um, mm. So, I don't know. Interesting one. I've you? completely backflipped on the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think it was a great idea and mainly because, like you say, the band has new members, can re-envision songs, perhaps how they were, inverted quotes, supposed to be in the first place or whatever. But I totally agree. It is what it is. And I think that bands, for me, my shit is better served um, just just doing new things. Because mm. if you always get... Like, there's two common things I see with people. One, people get a, an idea and then they do it once. Then they try and get it together to do it again and make it better. And then they kind of constantly get stuck in that cycle. Um, or after, like, five albums and then they go and do their first album again, it's kind of like, why are you still into that thing? Because the band doesn't sound... The sound of the band has evolved beyond that point. So you might do it with better production values, but because the band's moved on, it's kind of just cheapens that because yeah. you, you get away with that being what it is um, because it was shitty recorded. You can tell that the band were young, for instance. Yeah. And then there are other people who have a project so big that they never end up finishing it. And that, that definitely happens. It feels like it happens every friggin' album. Um, but that f felt like what happened this year is that we wrote for a period of time, we recorded for a period of time, and then we edited and mixed and etc. And then after a while, it was like, you know, we could make this better, but at some point we've just got to stop and say, fuck it, let's move on. Because yeah. you end up getting too drained out on getting one thing perfect when... Perfect is an abstract concept, so just get over it. Because yeah. it's still, how much money must it cost Einherger to go into the studio? And if they didn't spend a cent, they have a home studio set up. How much time are they spending when you could yeah. be writing or like learning your picking technique from scratch and blah, blah, blah? Yeah. You know, unless it's in line with some strategy that they've got planned for, you know. Um... But I mean... If, if unless you've got a new fan base or you're trying to access new new um, demographics or something, you're probably you're, in reality you've got the same fans as you had 15 years ago, and they've already got the album. They're not going to buy it again. 
Like they'll, you know, like me, I'll watch a couple of the videos and I'll give it a listen and I, you know, it's a nice reminder that that album was awesome and I'll crank it out again for a while, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to go buy it again because I already have the original. Hence um, the importance of streaming these days for band <laughs> Totally, totally, yeah. And this would be a good scenario to do that, I think. Or, you know, like re-record a couple of songs to show people how it could have sounded and if there's a lot of interest in it, then maybe you could go do the whole thing. Um, but, I th- yeah, I, I like what, what you were saying. And, you know, in an ideal world, it would be perfect and... And you are making the music for yourself and for your own band. And if your own band is not happy with it, then fuck it. But you also need to think about it from the fans' perspective. And, you know, what's perfect to the band members might not be relevant to anyone else in the world. Um, So you just got to find that balance of making the band happy and the fans happy, I guess. Um, And at the end of the day, yeah, just... Just finish it out up and start again and learn your lessons and kick ass the next time. Yeah, I've already like heard the sort of stuff that you're working on. Not sorry, not music wise, but in terms of um, working on yourself as a player. Mm. I've also heard what Jesse's kind of doing um, with keyboard, keyboard, piano. How dare I? <laughs> and I guess myself as well, and just looking at things in a whole new light since since the album that hasn't even come out yet. And I think, look, if I was still working on this album right now, I wouldn't have stepped any closer in the direction of the musician that I want to be if if I was just, I don't know, being stuck and yeah. bored. Actually, do you know I joined this Gojira competition? I should tell you about that. Fill me in. So the drummer from Gojira teamed up with some drum company and did a samples pack, kind of like how Thomas Haki from Sugar did back in the day. And then he recorded Catch 33 on an electric kit using the samples that they created. Mm -hmm. He's done that right because Gojira are quite popular and stuff these days. And he's an awesome drummer and all that, even though I'm not a huge fan of the music. He, um, yeah, he recorded a song that he created on drums from this sample package and it, so- it actually sounds great, man. Like you can just tell that he's played it on a kit, which is really nice. Um, and the idea is that Cabba himself downloads the WAV file and chucks it in Reaper and then writes a song, guitar or instruments only, no vocals allowed and then submits it to SoundCloud. So it's like a promo for the drum sample company. It's a promo for SoundCloud. It's a promo for Gojira. And it also, I think, is very tricky because it doesn't involve drummers at all. It more Mm. involves you as a guitarist to write something and go, this is incredible. I don't have a drummer. I can do all of this myself if I spend 100 bucks on this plugin. So it's pretty cool. And I entered it. And using my little thing of that major scale and making it sound sad, I <laughs> I tried that as an experiment, um, yeah, to record over the top of those drums. So I think it runs out, I think it's the 30th of November. If it, it might already be up, you might have to look into it. But um, yeah, I, I would recommend just mucking around. If you've got time on the weekend, muck around, write a song to it, upload it to SoundCloud. And if you do no pressure 
let's play both of our versions at the end of the next <laughs> pod next week or something. Yeah, right. If not, so, I'll put mine up. I don't care. We can find yours now on SoundCloud? No, because I've just sort of been... I did it for a bit and sort of wasn't into what I did and then um, gave it a week, revisited it, and I think I'm just going to submit something eventually. So, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Not that I don't think it's a good idea, but that's just less guitar practice time for me. Um, yeah. Fair enough. But uh, we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. I took it as a challenge because the style of drumming <laughs> that it is, is something I would never kind of do, especially not for Claim of Throne. It's a really different groove. So I thought my friend Owen alerted me to it and I was like, ah, oh, I just don't dig that feel. And then yep. I took it as a challenge, like, let's see what I think I can do with that. So, anyway, that'll, that'll be something cool, to man. play. What Keep do you want to play? I'm definitely interested in that. Uh, if we're not playing that, then um, let's play something else. Can we play um, the latest release from Adobe Cloud? <laughs> uh, yes, you can, if you like <laughs> Scurvy Dog's Pirate Blood. Oh, I certainly do. <laughs> Well, I guess in the spirit of what we've been doing lately, lately we're just chucking one of the new Ironherger songs on. Yeah, beauty. Um, uh, probably the title track, Dragons of the North, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, and hopefully not get sued. We'll see how we go. Uh, we have just announced another gig, which is coming up uh, in January, 13th of January, which is a Friday night in Perth. Uh, our hometown and it's to celebrate our label Prime Cuts Music their 15th birthday anniversary so it's going to be really cool Um, and we're also playing with good mates Silent Night avid listener Stu McGill uh, and they're releasing their brand spanking new EP called The Angel Reborn Uh, and that does remind me we've probably just been ripping on people re-recording things but I think uh, that EP has a a re-record or two on there uh, but definitely worth picking up if you're uh, into power metal uh, or heavy metal in its traditionalist form. Um, and we've also got Grotesque, uh, Brutal Death Metal and Solemn, who are a uh, brand spanking new band out of Perth doing black and melodic death Love metal. Um, so excited to watch them play a bit more. Three piece, it's going to be interesting stuff. Cool. Um, so yeah, you can see more about that on claimthethrone.com. Uh, and if you do like the way the press release for that gig looks, you can get yours truly to write one for your upcoming gig or a new music release at fiverr.com slash cabaCTT where I'll do it for you for five bucks. Beat that. And uh, I'll also do some other things too like review your band's online presence and um, and Stormwriter Stu himself, quote unquote, a very detailed analysis of all band online presence with some great tips to help improve in certain areas lacking. <laughs> and uh, as he reminded me, uh, with the US uh, dollar, it did work out to $8.48. Ooh. So I don't want to go telling anyone that it's five bucks when it costs more. Yeah, good point, Stu. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, fucking cheapskate. I mean, thanks, Stu. Uh, just joshing with you. <laughs> hey, um, one final thing. I know that we Fine play these <laughs> we play these things like semi semi illegally although maybe it's under fair use because we don't have advertising on this podcast but Ooh, we do now whoops yeah f- oh yeah I guess we kind of do but you're not a paid avid ah, okay uh, maybe I've scuttled my own ship there I may <laughs> or may not earn eight dollars a week 
that's interesting. I don't earn a fucking cent and I'm half of this <laughs> podcast. Um, oh, by the way, I get $4 of that, $8. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, they take a cut. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure that no one thinks that I take four bucks. I'd, <laughs> I'd buy another hot dog for that if it was possible. <laughs> anyway, I think that um, a lot of people go like, no, go out and fucking support Iron Herger or Inhior, as you call them. Um, what I think you should do is if you have a streaming service and you like the song that you're about to listen to, go check them out on your streaming service. It's going to cost you no money, but it'll pay them 0.3 of a cent, which is whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you end up liking the album and you listen more, they might get a few more streams. If you don't have a streaming subscription, um, go to a free version of Spotify or something like that. They'll still get a royalty. And, um, Furthermore, if you're a YouTuber, YouTube user, make sure you go to Ironherge's official page and just check out some of the stuff they've done because if they've got any advertising on there, they might be able to reap a cent or two and it all adds up. Yeah. And in the spirit of not talking about physical products, they do have a brand spanking new t-shirt um, to go with the re-release as well, uh, which is 20 euros. So if you're an old-fashioned anti-Spotify streaming cunt, then I'm in... Demi, then you can do that. But I, I agree with Ash. Give him some um, plays and uh, on Spotify and some shares on Facebook because despite being one of Viking Metal's forefathers, they actually don't seem to have much uh, followers on Facebook, which astounds me. Um, yeah, that's all. Let's give him a listen and um, and we'll chat again soon. Through a nice lady's breast And 